On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Spencer Boyle. We discuss how Spencer chose happiness and pursuing his passion over money, and how he combined his love for video games with mental health, supporting not only those around him, but some great causes as well. I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Journey 23. Today, I'm joined by Spencer Boyle, and um, excited to have Spencer on here. So we actually started communicating over Twitter uh, a couple weeks back, and Spencer's going to be helping me out with some social media stuff. And um, as we got talking and completely random, it turned out that, you know, he likes a lot of the things that I like and specifically mental health and, um, you know, kind of on similar ish paths. Um, so I was really excited to hear that and just, you know, kind of the universe, I guess, you know, telling, saying that this was meant to be, but anyways, um, how you doing today, Spencer? I'm doing good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, like I said, I've been excited about it, thinking about it a lot. And um, I guess just to start off here, can you just tell people a little bit about yourself? Like, um, you know, where you grew up, um, what you're doing now, kind of how how you got to where you are today? Sure. So I'll kind of go over um, like what I do now, and then I can start the kind of long story of of how that all worked out, I think. Uh, so I am a freelance photo and video creator based out of Southern Indiana. Um, I grew up in, in a town, um, I, I live in a town called Evansville and I grew up in a city that technically is called Mount Vernon. They're like this close to each other. Um, I lived closer to like the actual city limits of Evansville, but my address was in Mount Vernon. So it was like, that's where I had to go to school and stuff. Even though it was like a 25 minute drive versus like a 10 minute drive, it's silly. Um, yeah, so like I said, I do uh, freelance photo and video creation, and that's kind of the easiest answer when people ask me. So um, I'm really into photography, and I do my own photography and take photos for businesses, for their social media, and same thing with videos. Cool. Awesome. And, you know, I'm curious how you got into that. Like, is it something, was it always, you know, an interest since you were young? Like, you know, is it something that your parents did or friends? Like, where were you introduced to, I guess, photography and video editing and, um, yeah, just kind of your journey with that? Yeah, so I have, like, since I was a little kid, wanted to to create things. Like, I was really interested in, in um, like, comics and like I loved Pokemon and kind of like, I guess, nerdy stuff you could say. And I always wanted to draw those things. Like I always wanted to draw like my favorite Pokemon or my favorite character from a show. And I can't draw. <laughs> I can't draw to save my life. I tried, I practiced, you know, I, I followed tutorials. I got like all of the books, like how to draw manga, how to draw this and that. I was like, I just can't do it. It doesn't make sense to me how you draw these weird lines and then it's this person uh, or, you know, this, this item. And it always frustrated me because I couldn't figure it out. Like I just couldn't do it. And, you know, when, when I was a kid, I was like, this is the only form of art there is. There's nothing else you draw or you, or you paint or you make nothing and you're a failure. And uh, as I got older, I started to learn, well, that's not really true. And I think about it now a lot, like looking back, my, my parents took photos of everything. You know, I grew up in, in the 90s. Um, I was born in 1993. So like cameras were finally like easily accessible to everyone in the world. And my parents took photos of everything. And as I've grown up, I learned my dad did photography beyond just like 
taking pictures of the family. So he worked for a company and they did all kinds of intramural sports. So they had like softball, volleyball, basketball, and he was really involved with all of that. So like he would coach or play. And eventually the company was buying him camera gear to take photos of these things for the company. And I I've actually like inherited all of that gear now. Like I don't, I can't use a lot of it with my cameras (laughs) without tons of adapters and stuff, but it's all super cool to have. Um, so, you know, I kind of started seeing that more and, and, uh, they videoed everything too. Cause home video cameras were a huge thing in the nineties. You know, they were like this big yeah. and they used a full size VHS tape, but the same way, like you, know, you would, uh, he would video any sports I did like Christmas morning was always videoed. Um, I skateboarded a lot. So he would film that if I did like contests or just like took a day and went out to the skate park. And so like all of my childhood was documented, I think by not me, by, by my parents and to, to kind of skip, skip way forward and get to like why I do like the exact kind of work I do now was the same thing. And I got interested in working with cameras after I learned about video editing and creating online content because that kind of came from the gaming world, um, which I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit too. Uh, But so I wanted to learn more about using an actual camera. In college, I took a film photography class and I learned like the basics. I learned, you know, what uh, all the settings are on a camera, why those matter and how to compose a shot, get the shot, and then actually be able to develop the photo from film. But that's not really the best, let me rephrase that. That's not really the easiest way to do it anymore, you know, because we have digital cameras or we have like, even like my phone takes amazing photos. So I started wanting to learn more about how to do that digitally and editing photos and videos and being able to document things. Whenever we bought uh, our house that we live in now, I started a YouTube channel and it was, and I bought my my camera that I use now for everything and started doing vlogs of that process of like us buying a house for the first time, doing small renovations. Um, like we ripped up all the carpet, we redid a bathroom, all that kind of stuff. And I just wanted to have that as a document and whether people watched it or not, it was like, it'd be cool if they did. But if not, like I can go back and I have all of that video footage of what this house looked like before we moved in. And like, I can refer to that and it's really cool to be able to see it and kind of see where I've grown and what I've learned about cameras from then and editing from then. No, that's super cool. And it actually touches on a really, I think, important point and something that actually helped me get over, you know, even like the fear of recording myself and putting things out and stuff like that. And it really did start, I mean, I mention it all the time, but I'm a huge Gary Vee fan. And it was, you know, him talking about that idea of, you know, like, you get to document your life and show your kids or grandkids or, you know, like now because it's all digital digitized you know um it, it can go on essentially forever right and yeah I don't know like you could, your great 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 grandkids could see you know what you were like and you know I again that was kind of I think the mental block that um I had was well what if nobody watches it you know if it only gets two views or whatever it might be I'm gonna feel stupid like why am I even doing it and then realizing of oh if I actually do it for myself and set it up in a way where it doesn't matter how many people actually watch it. I'm winning no matter what, 
right? It's worth it no matter what. And so I think that's, that's huge and such a good point for a lot of people. And, and it doesn't have to be just, you know, documenting their life or anything like that, but in everything that they do, a lot of times, you know, bringing it more internal ex- instead of those external factors. Right. One of the other things that I'm curious about, and you touched on, uh, is you said <laughs> you used to put, you know, art in this box. Uh, you would draw things and that was it. And there was no other art. I'm curious if you remember, was there a, a specific, you know, like moment in your life or, you know, photograph or something like that? that changed your outlook on that? Or was that more of a gradual process just as you grew up? It's kind of both really. Um, it, it was gradual as I grew up and just kind of like, you know, learned more about the world and how there's like, things aren't always in a, such a small box, even though it might seem like it when you're you know, like 10 years old and you just want to draw Pikachu. Yeah. Um, but in, uh, in high school, I got really involved in uh, theater. So I did all of like the lighting and sound. I built sets and got like super involved in the technical side of theatrical productions. And I kind of started to see like, so we take this wood, we cut it, we build a wall, we paint the wall, we put that on stage, people act in front of it. Like that's a very simplified version of that, but that's kind of the same process of like, you draw this weird line and then you draw this line and eventually you have a face and it's like, may- maybe that that's not the only way to do things. Like that's not the only creative process that there is out there. And then as I got involved with theater, I started to see actors and I could see, you know, in high school, maybe not as much until you kind of get older with it. it. Maybe not as much of like people getting really into character and like seeing that that is their form of expression. Um, And then around that same time, I was really interested in music. And uh, I got involved playing like music in bands and stuff. And it's, you know, you have to write lyrics, you have to write guitar parts, you have to write drums, you have to write bass. Uh, Depending on the bands you're in, you know, you could have orchestral and all kinds of stuff. And then all of that comes together into one final product. And it's like, okay, so that's another form of expression. That's art. and to kind of get onto like the, the topic of the gaming culture of things like video games or art. Um, and what kind of got me interested in the video aspect of making content for the internet, because I didn't have like great internet where I lived. Um, my parents live kind of in like the country, I guess you could say. And like yeah. even to this day in 2021, their top internet speed is two megabits per second. So there was no such thing as uploading a video to the internet where I lived or like downloading a video from the internet. Like it would take me a month. Yeah. And I found a, uh, a website and a series called red versus blue. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm sure you've heard of it. It looks like. So um, that's from a company called rooster teeth. And if you guys don't know what it is, it's basically they would take the game Halo Combat Evolved, would use the characters in Halo, so like their actual in-game character, and then record dialogue for them and make it a show based in their favorite video game. And now that's gone on to be a, a multi-million dollar production company whose like 18th anniversary is today. Um, so, and it's like, you know, that's what I was seeing when I was younger was those things. And I, 
And I kind of thought about it. I was like, that's really cool. How do you do that? And then um, from, you know, from there working in theater, getting in, interested in audio and lighting, and then growing up, watching all of these gaming channels grow and get bigger and just seeing like, so these people are doing basically the same thing that someone does on television, just on a smaller scale. Okay, well, how, how, can, how can anyone do that? And then it's you know, just from there kind of digging around on the internet and learning. And I got really lucky that um, my best friend went to college to be a video editor. Um, so he graduated, moved back to our hometown, had a job at a, at a news station, and we were hanging out. We were like, you know, start a YouTube channel? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So we started doing let's plays together. And through those, you know, he would sit down with me and say, okay, so this is the basics of video editing. This is how you cut footage. Um, this is how you tell a story using this footage. And from there, I learned the basics with him and have just kind of dove head first ever since then. <laughs> you know, if I don't know how to do something now, I just, I Google it and there's yeah. probably a tutorial and if there's not a tutorial, I just goof around with it until it works. It may not be the technical way to do it, but did it work? Sure. Yeah. And I'm happy with it. <laughs> that's what matters. And honestly, I think that that's something that's missing from a lot of people of uh, just being willing to go and figure it out. Right. And I, yeah. think, I, I don't know where it comes from. It might come from, you know, the school system now where there is a right answer. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's all that you're looking for is that right answer, the right way to do it. And yeah. I need to look up the very specific answer from the specific source that's given to me. And there's no like, well, go figure it out. Or it's okay if it's not perfect, or it's not, you know, quote, unquote, the right way to do it. It's also really interesting. I, you know, I see a lot of parallels with another guest that I had on um, Trevor Jay, where, you know, just this idea that what you thought you wanted to do, um, there was some sort of mental block or some sort of block for it. And so you found a way to work around that and still, you know, do, do something that you love. And for him, it was, you know, making beer. He loved craft beer. So he actually went to college here um, to become a brewmaster. And through that process, realized that he hated making beer. <laughs> but, but he loved like craft beer and everything about it, the community, you know, um, everything. And so he became a beer rep and absolutely loves it. Right. And it's, again, it's that even, you know, call it that self-awareness, you know, of you talking about, you know, I wanted to be an artist and I realized I could not draw at all. Yeah. <laughs> and for him, like he wanted to, to be in craft beer. He realized that he hated making craft beer, but finding something around it and whether that's your actual, um, you know, abilities that stop you from it, or when you get there, you realize that that specific role or whatever you want to do isn't, um what you thought it was or you actually don't like it as much as you thought right um, i actually uh yeah. i kind of ran into that in college okay. um so like i was saying in uh in high school i got really involved in technical theater and i was extremely lucky that the high school i went to was like the only high school in the area that taught technical theater all the other schools they just had like the custodian or another adult would come in and would like point a light at things yeah. and they would go, okay, good enough. Yeah. Um, where we had an actual teacher who he was also the choir director and he had done technical theater as a career for his entire life. Like he toured, he worked on cruise ships, all kinds of stuff. And he said, why don't we teach these? Why don't we teach this as a class? 
Yeah. So I took that for, for three years of high school. That was an elective I took for three years. And outside of school, we got to work with the local union. Mm. And he would take like that. Would, I would go on field trips in school to work <laughs> and I would get paid for it. And it was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. But when I got out of high school, I was like, man, what do I want to do now? And my parents, um, love them to death, wanted me to go to college. That was the only thing that to them. That was the only option. You go to college or you're nothing kind of thing. You know what I mean? And I think that's a whole nother topic, <laughs> but I, it's a very generational thing. You know what I mean? Like my parents are older than most people's my age. So to them, that, that was the end all be all. So we finally talked about it and I was like, you know, if I'm going to go to school, I at least want to study something I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, so I ended up studying theater for a while and I started seeing people in the department who had graduated and were looking for jobs and they would move every six months when their contract would end or they would be on tour and they would wake up in like a different city every night. And I was like, man, that sounds awful. <laughs> I don't want to do that at all. So that's when I kind of started looking at, well, what else can I do? Like I've always wanted to create or be in some form of like entertainment to do something to entertain people or to make them, you know, like think or make them feel a certain way. Well, how can I do that if I'm not on a stage Yeah. or working behind a stage? Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I was like, well, I could make videos online. I could, you know, I can take the, all of this lighting knowledge I have now and I can use that in videos, all of this audio knowledge I have, I can use that in streaming or to start a podcast, things like that. So it's taking those skills that you have, that knowledge you have in your interests and just kind of like, where can I move it? You know? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think there's also the, the part in there about balancing it with practicality, right? Of like, you have to be able to pay the bills. You have to be able to eat and feed yourself. And, you know, that is a balance that I've been walking, um, you know, the last just over a year now where, you know, I want to be doing all these different things. I have all these different side projects, you know, the podcast, trying to start little businesses, stuff like that, but also needing to pay the bills. And so <laughs> right. I get a job that I don't necessarily love, you know, doing something that I, <laughs> you know, could when I could be doing something else, but it allows me the flexibility. Right. And so during the daytimes, I get to work on my projects and connect with people and, um, you know, do the things that I want to be doing. And then in the evenings I go and I bartend or I serve and, you know, is that where I thought I would be? No, not at all. Right. But it, <laughs> it's necessary right now. And I think that it plays really cool into your story though. Um, where, you know, practicality means different things to different people. And like for me, for instance, you know, I could try to go and get more of a corporate job that pays better and, you know, is more stable and everything like that, but it doesn't give me the flexibility that I need. And for me, so that's practical. It is the bare minimum to pay my bills and feed myself and make sure that, you know, I can fulfill my needs and that's it. And I value the freedom over, you know, the stability and the safety. And it was really cool, you know, um, I think this is one of the moments where I connected with you the most um, in our initial conversation is you told me the story about, you know, how you were working in a job and, you know, making the most money that you'd ever made in your life. And you realized, or you didn't realize, but you decided to take the jump 
to pursue what you're passionate about, what you actually want to be doing, um, instead of, you know, that quote unquote, safety and stability. And I'm wondering if you just take us through that really quick, uh, the rundown, but more importantly, how that came about and what made you make that decision? Yeah, so I mean, I worked in retail from the time I was 18 until I was 24, 24, 25, something like that. Um, Basically, like the summer I graduated high school, I got a part-time job at an office supply store uh, making minimum wage and like 10% commission on sales if this the whole store hit like a certain goal so basically we didn't make commission very often it was like <laughs> yeah. it was it was not designed to make money um but you know i was 18 years old i didn't really have any bills it was more like this is spending money and to buy my books for school um and from from there i, I worked there for a couple of years and like barely got a race after multiple years and ended up being pretty much a manager without getting paid to be one. Yeah. Uh, so I said, Hey, uh, if you don't promote me to a manager, I'm going to find a new job. And they said, okay, we'll talk to the district manager about bumping you up. And they kept, you know, giving me the runaround. Um, I finally left. I finally said, okay, well, I have a new job. Here's my two week notice. Uh, I left there and went to work for, um, Best Buy mobile, which doesn't actually exist anymore. It was like in like a, a side shoot of Best Buy. Yeah. Um, so these were stores that were typically in like a mall or anchored with a bigger something, mostly yeah. malls. Um, and all we did was sell phones and tablets and, uh, like phone accessories. So when smartwatches got big, we, we got into those, but like, we didn't do TVs, computers, any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, that was actually, if I like to look at a job that I had that wasn't for myself that was my favorite job i ever had a super cool boss super cool co-workers it was really laid back and we got to have fun um as long as we got our job done but being retail um hours would regularly just become nothing yeah especially after the holidays so you know black friday would come and we'd be working you know, part-timers would be working 40 plus hours a week and then Christmas would come. You're still doing it. Mid January comes, you're down to like 10 hours a week. And I was like, um, I got bills and, uh, 10 hours a week on 12 bucks an hour ain't going to cover those bills, man. Yeah. Um, so I had to leave there. I didn't want to, but I had to. So I kind of just took the first job I could get and worked at a utility company in customer service for like two months. Um, and then got a job working for um, a, a telecommunications company in the US. Um, so I was working at a retail store for them. And that was like 50 plus hours a week, sometimes six days a week. You worked every night, every weekend, no questions asked. But it was just so much more money than I'd ever made. Yeah. Um, but you know, like, like I said, I worked every weekend, no questions asked. And every other job I had from there, like you could request to be like, Hey, I have a birthday party for my nephew this Saturday or like two Saturdays from now. I need to be off that day. And they'd be like, cool, we'll work it in your schedule. This was not that case. This was all seniority based. So you had to try to get someone to switch with you. Gotcha. Well, 
uh, the only person that could do that worked Monday through Friday, eight to five, because he'd worked for the company for 20 some odd years, like yeah. almost as long as I'd been alive. He's not switching with you no matter what. Yeah. Um, so I, I worked there for a little over a year, I think year and a half, maybe. And I just hated it. Yeah. Like I hated going to work. The idea of going in sucked like, and I, I was just like, what's the, what's the point? Like, why yeah. do, why do we do this? Yeah. Like, what, 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 I, I get up, go to work five to six days a week just to come home and go to bed. Like, yeah, cool. I'm making all this money. What do I do with it? I yeah. can't, I can't go like on a trip. I can't go buy things to experience with it. So it was just like, well, what's the point in this? Um, so I started looking for new jobs as one does. And I try, and I was at that point, I was like, I'm going to try, I'm going to be picky about it because I was comfortable. I knew I would have my bills paid worst case scenario. Yeah. Um, so I got, I started looking and found a job at a casino where I live, um, doing their audio and video work. So it was the, the audio video content administrator was my, my long winded name of the job. Yeah. Uh, so they, in Indiana, the law was you can't gamble on land. You had to gamble oh. on water. Interesting. So all of our casinos were big boats. <laughs> it was such a dumb law. Like who cares? Like it's yeah. two feet off the land. What does it matter? Yeah. Uh, well, that law changed. So they decided to build a brand new building and open it on land. And they had like big video walls. They had TVs like every so many feet. And um, so they needed somebody to maintain all that, which makes sense. So I, I went for it and ended up getting the job. And I was like, great. This is, you know, more, more where I want to be. And I was working eight to five, Monday through Friday, real easy schedule. Like you, I was out the door at 501. Yeah, like I, I was done. <laughs> um, it, it didn't end up being like exactly the kind of like job that I expected it to be. It was very more like technical focused on like keeping the TVs running and all this stuff. And I was like, well, this feels like a job that's more IT based when I was working in advertising. Yeah. Um, but I did get to do like some some photo and video work there. I, I started learning After Effects through them, um, which is still like a crazy program to me like that, that program blows my mind sometimes uh, i'm still definitely the weakest with after effects but it was you know i got to start learning the basics there and that was cool um and during that time i started streaming on twitch um so i would come home and in the evenings you know three or four nights a week i would stream i'd play video games on twitch um you know, just usually whatever I wanted to play. And yeah. it was kind of like, you know, I had done that before, but I'd never really learned how to do it properly. Mm-hmm. Like used to, whenever I started, it was the same time that I was doing like a let's play channel with my friend. I would just turn on the stream and I was like, okay, people will show up. That is, that is extremely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you, I could not be more wrong. Um, so I started learning the ins and outs of it. Like, how do you get people to come watch? How do you grow? How do you actually put on a production versus I turned on a webcam and played, you know, call of duty for a couple hours. Um, so I got really involved with that and, and kind of found a huge love for it and, you know, eventually started making a little bit of money from it. Um, it wasn't a lot, but you know, it was, I stream a couple hours a night, 
you know, three or four days a week, make a you know, few hundred bucks a month extra. Cool. Buys video games for me. For, for um, that you're already going to be doing, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. doing it anyway. Like this is great. Yeah. So I started watching more and more of Twitch 2 in my free time, like at work, I would, that's kind of like what brought me back in is I had a lot of downtime at that job and I had an extra screen and I would just throw up a stream on the side while I did, you know, my spreadsheets or whatever for the day. And that's what kind of brought me back to it of, I could be doing that too. And as I was watching those, I saw people um, doing streams for charities. Mm. You know, they would stream for, for like 12 hours and they would take all like they would take donations for whatever charity they were interested in and they would have incentives for you to donate. Like they would eat like a gross jelly bean. They would have milestones to like shave their heads, all kinds of stuff. And I was like, that seems really cool. Yeah. I want to do that. Yeah. So uh, I emailed the just like generic reach out to us page of a charity um, called hope for the day. So they are a charity um, based out of Chicago and they do proactive and um, active suicide prevention education. Um, So they don't do like crisis training, but you know, they'll talk about how you can help someone who might be struggling or why it's important to talk about mental health. Um, They would go on warp tour and go to concerts and speak on stage to, to the crowds and stuff. And uh, their CEO emailed me back. It was like, dude, that sounds sweet. What do you need? And we started talking back and forth and uh, we decided I would, I would just do like a, a day. I would take 12 hours on a Saturday yeah, and I would stream and we would raise money for them that day. So I was off every Saturday because I worked Monday through Friday. Yeah. And I would get calls some weekends like, Hey, this thing isn't working. Can you help us? And I would just like remotely connect to it from my laptop, fix it real fast. And I'd be done. So before that weekend, I very specifically told everyone who could possibly contact me, like, I am not reachable from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Yeah. I don't care what happens. <laughs> you, you need to call the IT department because they have someone on call. You know, they had four or five people in the department and they had people there on call all the time where I was just me. I was by myself. Yeah. No one else in, my, in the advertising department knew what I was doing. They didn't know how to operate that stuff. So I was like, you know, normally I don't mind, but this day, this is what like, I told them, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. I, I, I can't answer my phone while I'm doing this. And they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll call it whatever. Uh, so I'm doing the stream and like two or three hours in, I'm just getting berated by phone calls yeah. from people on like the casino floor to my boss, to his boss. And I finally answered the phone. I was like, what? Like, yeah. what do you need? Yeah. Like, is the casino on fire? Because if it is, you need to call the fire department, not me. Because that's the only reason you could possibly be contacting me, right? Like a disaster. And they said, yeah, so none of the TVs work. And I was like, okay, call IT. Like, I'm busy. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know what you want me to do. Uh, so we go back and forth on it. And um, I go back in and I find out that what happened was the bill didn't get paid for the satellite television uh-huh. service. Yeah. Guess who paid the satellite Who's that? The IT department (laughs) who I told them to call. Uh, So I was, I was mad. I was like, why did you do this? And my direct boss went out of town. So his boss decided, uh, well, we're going to have a meeting and you have to work Tuesday through Saturday, uh, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. from now on. 
Ah, gotcha. Like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Because I took, I probably started making about half as much money as I was at my sales job before to do this. Yeah. And I even told him, I was like, you know, I took a pay cut to have better hours and do what I was interested in. But if I go to that schedule, I'm working the same thing I was and I should just go back there and make way more money, right? Yeah. Why am I taking a step down and getting nowhere ahead? Like I'm taking steps backwards for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's kind of, she kind of was just like, that's how it is. Yeah. So I just left the meeting. I said, okay, I'll talk to my boss when he gets back. Yeah. So he came back and I explained the situation and uh, he kind of was just like, well, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. I said, okay, well, I'll tell you what from here, consider this my two week resignation. If we can come to an agreement, we'll figure something out that like I can work remotely, but there are going to be times where I can't just drop everything for this all the time. Yeah. Because they also wanted to have me like work on call, but not be on call. Yeah. So like they wouldn't give me a phone. They wouldn't pay me to be on call. If I worked outside of work hours, I had to leave early on Friday. So it's like, so you don't, you're not going to pay me overtime. Like I'm getting nothing out of this. Um, so he asked again, like a week later, he's like, are you sure? Like, is this what you want to do? Like, you don't have a job lined up? Nothing. I was like, yeah, I, I'm 20, 25 years old at the time. Like I don't have kids, you know, and yeah. I'm not going backwards because I'm not going to miss family events, friends gathering. Like there's no point to for me for that like my career is not my life yeah i don't live to work and uh he was very much someone who did like that job was like his life he would drop anything for that and that's fine like that's what you makes you happy go for it that's awesome but that does not make me happy yeah um so he asked again at that weak point and i said i'm sure you know, again, if we come to an understanding, I would, I would love to work something out. Cause I don't want to leave. I like my job, but you know, yeah. I gotta do what's best for me, not what's best for the company. Uh, and his boss never talked to me again. Yeah. I still haven't spoke to her to this day, except for the one time they called me to fix something and I gave them my freelance rate. They didn't call me back after that. <laughs> and so this is, if, if I'm correct, like this is kind of where, you um because we talked about this when we had our initial phone call of you know you kind of went to your wife and didn't really know where to go from that point and she kind of said you know like we're set up in a place like where we're stable financially right and so why don't you just pursue what you actually want to do and that's the actual freelance work right is that is that kind of how that happened yeah so that was like when uh i told i told everybody i was like yeah i'm quitting my job in two weeks they're like oh do you have a new job i went and they're like, what the hell is wrong with you? I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'll figure it out. Uh, I've kind of like, you know, lived by the, the, uh, the motto of, you know, fuck it. We'll do it live. Most of my life. Like that's how I figure stuff out. That's what I thrive under is, is like a pressure. I'm not very good at pl- like bullet planning out stuff that stresses yeah. me out more than just like willy nilly winging it, you know, <laughs> like who cares, whatever. Um, but yeah, so it was like, we don't have kids. We don't really plan to have kids. So are you, if you're going to go for it, do it now. Like you're not going to, you're probably not going to do it when you're 40. Yeah. But you're going to do it when you're 25. Yeah. So now's the time to do it. Um, 
So I left and, and focused a lot on streaming. I yeah. pretty much streamed full time on Twitch for a while. Um, sorry, Spencer, just to interject, I guess, too, just in case some people don't know what Twitch is, right? And so Twitch is essentially a streaming service centered predominantly around video games, where you essentially live stream yourself playing video games, chatting, interacting with the um, community, correct? Yeah, so I always kind of explain it as the opposite of YouTube. Um, so like YouTube, YouTube has a live streaming platform and it's it's growing it's growing a lot they're doing a lot of great things but most people when you say youtube they think okay somebody filmed a video edited it and upload it and i watch it you know whenever i want to it's available 24 7 yeah um where twitch is all live based um so it's it's mostly around gaming or that's kind of how it started now you can do a lot more stuff on it there's art there's um IRL streaming, people will go out in the street and live stream themselves kind of like a vlog, but it's unedited, it's unfiltered. Um, but the biggest majority of it still is gaming focused. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of a big focus is I, you know, I play games, um, but the focus on most streams isn't the game itself. It's the broadcaster. Yeah. So you are the entertainment or why people should show up to your stream unless you're you know, playing at a professional esports level where you're the best in the game and then people will watch for the gameplay. Yeah. I'm not very good at video games for the most part. <laughs> yeah. uh, like I'm okay at most of them. I, I can, you know, beat video games and hold my own like in online games. But, you know, for the most part, it was more me being, mm -hmm. trying to be entertaining and, and talk to people. Um, and a lot of why I started streaming on Twitch was I watched other streams and it was a good place to go if I was having like a rough day. Um, so okay. like I, um, in 2016, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety and depression. Okay. Um, and that is something that runs in my family. So it's not like I'm the only person that's ever dealt with it, obviously in my family. Um, and you know, some of those outlets for me was like playing video games myself, listening to music. Cause I'm, I'm really into, um, like hardcore music and metalcore. And a lot of the uh, bands talk about that kind of stuff. They talk about struggles or, you know, they, they make positive songs that sound angry, Yeah. but it's very aggressive and there's a lot of emotion in it. And yeah. that's what draws me to it is how like just raw all of it feels versus pop music. Like pop music isn't bad, but it's not as emotional. It doesn't provoke as much emotion as, as someone yelling at you does. Um, but I started watching streams and would get involved with these communities that people were making in their Twitch chat. And, you know, you would show up and they would say, uh, like, hey, man, how's it going? How's, how's your day? Or I, you told me you're having uh, this, this problem at work. Did you solve that? Yeah. Or, you know, you, you're having some relationship trouble. How's that going? Or, you know, whatever it was, these people would remember that, like myself or others, you know, told them about stuff. And then they would kind of have conversations with you. And it was you know, just like hanging out with friends playing video games without being in the same room. And that was like a, a big outlet to kind of deal with that stuff um, and just have like a place to go where you could talk to people who understood what you were talking about, you know? Yeah. Well, and I went, why the hell don't I do that? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I just really quickly here to jump in. It's really interesting because I think from the outside looking in, a lot of people don't understand that. 
right? They don't understand the sense of community um, of how much connection and support you can feel, you know, from people that you have never actually met in your in real life, you know, people from all around the world, all around the country. And, you know, it's always a blanket statement, I feel that screens are bad, you know, social media is bad, you know, the internet's bad, whatever it is. And why don't we connect more um, in person, right? It's we're getting away from this in person. And I'm not saying that in person is bad either. And I'm not saying that, you know, only online, but you know, there's the idea that you can't connect with people on a deeper emotional level um, through online communities is, in my opinion, just wrong, right? And sometimes right. that is the only place that you can feel that connection and feel that support. And, you know, it was interesting when you said earlier, you went, you know, when you were having a bad day, that was one of the only places that you, you well, you gravitated towards, right? You gravitated towards going online, going on Twitch when you were having a bad day. Um, and it just shows how much, you know, of an impact you can actually have through these online connections. Um, yeah, I just wanted to point that out because it's something that I've, I've thought about a lot recently, especially with all the noise of like, you know, the social dilemma and everything of that, of everything is bad, you know, your phone's bad, social media is bad. And it's, it's not an all or nothing game. It's not black or white, right? It's there are pockets in everything where you can be supported and you cannot be supported where it can be, you know, good for you and bad for you. But anyway, so um, you start seeing these, uh, these streams and, you know, they're talking about, you know, more, more deeper things, things that aren't super surface level. And you you ask yourself, you know, why can't you do that? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of like, you nailed it there. Like there's so much positivity to have on these platforms, but just like anything else that doesn't generate interest to people, people are, people gravitate to drama and negativity. And that's what gets, you know, like as cheesy as it sounds, that's what gets the clicks, you know, like there's not a whole lot of articles out there that's like twitch streamer had fun on his stream and people in chat were nice like cool that wasn't a fun read but like you know this streamer said uh you know this slur or chat was attacking this person like that generates people to click on it yeah so and people just don't see those things as often unless you're involved in the that world you know what i mean for sure and you know i um it's, it's so interesting where a lot of times I, I think to myself, well, why are they asking, why aren't they asking themselves, like going a, a level deeper of what's actually going on with those people? It's not the platform. I had a really interesting conversation with one of my friends just this last weekend here. And he started to, you know, talking about social media and the negativity and everything like that. And I just kind of said, well, I mean, and, you know, kind of putting it on social media. And I went, well, social media isn't really anything, right? We, people put all the content on social media. You know, it's people that are attacking other people. It's people that are, you know, using racial slurs or um, homophobic, homophobic slurs or whatever it might be. It's the people, it's not the platform. <laughs> they don't right, go yeah. put a whole bunch of, you know, negative things on there, hurtful things. <laughs> that is shared by people and that is what people gravitate towards. And so for me, I always ask, why why is that why do people gravitate towards that why do those get all of the clicks and the views and why do those go viral instead of yeah you know like hey twitch stream really helps one of its members people don't find that interesting and that's for me more of a people 
you know, issue and not a platform issue. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think that someone at Twitch went, you know, it'd be fun today. Let's just make stuff bad. Let's yeah. put bad stuff on our website. Like nobody, the no website's doing that. I think it, these, these sites can make that, make people feel more comfortable to do those things because they're not face to face. Like most people won't confront someone directly to their face, but they will say mean things to them in a Facebook comment Yeah, because you know, there's, there's a disconnect. Yeah. So there, there are negatives to these things and, you know, too many screens or too much screen time can be a bad thing, but it's not only bad. Like you said, you know, I, you know, through my Twitch stream, I've made some of the best friends I have in the world and had multiple of them, uh, fly in or drive in and go to my wedding. Like crazy. I never would have met those people if I didn't stream on Twitch. And now I talk to them every single day about everything. So it's like, there are plenty of good people on the internet that you can meet. Like you're not the only good person or like your city isn't the only city with good people in it, you know? So there are connections to be made. It's just, you have to find the right ones. Um, And sometimes that takes more than just looking at the surface. And I think that's an important point too of, you know, yes, being behind a screen or, you know, leaving a comment, it allows people to, you know, say things that, you know, they wouldn't necessarily say in real life. And at the same time, that is still in them in real life. You know, there's something there and whether that's frustration, whether that's insecurities that are coming up that they, you know, won't take on in real life. They're looking for that outlet, but that's still in them. It's not, you know, Facebook didn't turn them into this bad person because they'll <laughs> yeah. have them to leave comments, right? <laughs> right. That's just where they happen to to put that out there to let everyone know, you know, like this is who they are, their way of thinking. That yeah. just happens to be where they wrote it. You know, before Facebook, it might have been on MySpace. Yeah. Before MySpace, it might have been on an AOL message board or a chat room Uh, before that they wrote it in their journal like it's somewhere it always is you know like that these did not make bad people (laughs) no it's so true and so um you know saying that you you were you were diagnosed with anxiety and depression and sorry it was anxiety and depression right Yeah, yeah yeah and um because i know that you actually started incorporating some mental health into your streams itself and I guess, uh, you know, my question is, I think the biggest one is just what made you decide to do that, right? Because it's not yeah. necessarily mental health in general is becoming a larger topic, but it's mm-hmm. still not talked about um, a ton, right? And then I, yeah. feel I have never been on Twitch myself, so I can't say this for a fact, but I imagine a lot of streams are not geared towards mental health around going deeper and really, you know, kind of for lack of a better term, going into the shit with people. So what made you decide to start doing that? Was it, you know, you knew how you feel at times. And so you wanted to give other people an outlet and like something that you wish that you had, um, or, you know, where was that coming from? Yeah, that, that was a lot of it. Um, because I found that in, in Twitch communities myself, as well as like when I was younger, before I like went to doctors and and they actually said, yeah, this is why you feel that way. Like, I didn't know that like the, um, 
the symptoms and things I was having, like, oh, that's because you have an anxiety disorder, not just because like you're mad. It's like you're extra mad because you're anxious and you don't know how to um, express that. And when you can't figure out how to express it, you just get angry. Um, so I found that like when I was younger in, in the hardcore community and music, because bands would get on stage and they'd, they would talk about that stuff to be like, I wrote this song because I was depressed. If you're depressed, listen to the, these lyrics and like you probably will resonate with it. Um, and from there, it was the same kind of thing. Like I found that in Twitch communities of people would like even the streamers would be like, I'm having a shitty day, guys. Like today sucks. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to hang out and talk or I'm going to play, you know, Zelda in the background and I'm just going to vent and you have to listen to me. Like, (laughs) and if you have a thought on something like, or you've like, you're having a bad day too, just like, you know, speak up, just be like, Hey, my day sucks too. And like, that's so much of, to me, like the stigma around mental health is people don't want to talk about it. And I've never understood why, like it even has it in the, the word health. If I break my arm, I tell people I broke my arm. If, you know, people have, um, are diagnosed with a physical disease of some kinds, like cancer, diabetes, whatever it is, there's so much stuff for that. And there's so many people talk about it. Yeah. And, but as soon as you say, you know, I'm having, uh, I have mental health problems. Like I have anxiety or depression or someone is bipolar, um, that immediately gets a negative stigma around it and people will look at that person differently. Yeah. But you know, you see someone who's been, let's say diagnosed with cancer, everyone rallies around them. You know, maybe you didn't talk to them for four years and that person comes out of the woodwork to, to rally around you and say, Hey, like you're going to beat this. But when you say, Oh, I found out why I have days where I literally can't get out of my bed. It's because I have depression. They go, well, stop being sad. Yeah. And it's like, what, what the fuck did you just say to me? Like, what do you mean? Like, stop, like, don't have a broken arm anymore. That's how that sounds to me. You know what I mean? Like, don't be sick. Okay. Didn't think about that one. Like, thanks man. (laughs) If it was that easy, we wouldn't be here. So like, to me, just people talking about it is huge. For sure. And whether it's uh, like describing what they're going through or just literally saying like, Hey, if you are having problems today, like this is a cool place to talk about it. Like bring it up in chat. Or uh, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, you can like DM myself or one of the moderators in the chat. Um, And, you know, they can, they can talk to you if you need resources, we have those available. Like it doesn't make sense to me that people don't just talk about it. Like they do anything else. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's, that's such a good comparison. The other comparison that I use, um, like the doctor one's a good one, like the broken arm, right? It's like, yeah, I, <laughs> I would, I could wish this for arm. If I could wish this arm away, I would decide it to be gone. Right. I yeah. don't decide to stay in my bed the entire day. It's not a choice, right? I don't want to be here. Right. The other one for me is, um, you know, when I talk about like seeing a therapist and there's a lot of still stigma around that. And, I almost, you know, the, the analogy that I use is a personal trainer, right? Nobody mm-hmm. looks down on you because you're using a personal trainer. Nobody goes, oh, you can't figure out health for yourself. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, just be healthy, right? Yeah. Um, just be jacked. Just get to the gym. Just right? pick up heavy weights. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, for me, it's the same thing talking about therapy and, you know, going to a therapist, seeing a therapist of it doesn't necessarily mean that something has to be quote unquote wrong with you. 
it's again, health, you know, you have your physical health, you have your mental health, you know, sometimes you just want to improve that. Sometimes you just want to work through it. Um, sometimes there are deeper things that are going on and then it moves more into that almost like, you know, doctor broken arm thing of like, oh, this is, you know, this is what, like, just like you said, this is why I react the way that I react. It's not, um, because something, it's not that you're broken. It's just that, oh, you have like a condition that this is what happens. Um, and for me, you know, when I first started talking about mental health and diving into it, you know, really similar to what you were talking about there was finding a sense of community. And for me, it was feeling alone. And I feel that mental health still has a ton of shame, you know, associated Mm -hmm. with it. And that's why, you know, I talk about shame a lot is I felt so ashamed because I thought I was the only one, right? I thought I was the only one that struggled with this, that nobody else, you know, thought this way or had these feelings or had these struggles. And it was almost that compounding effect, Uh, I felt ashamed because I was struggling with this and then I didn't see anybody else struggling with it or talking about it. So then I had more shame because I was the only one, which made that problem worse, which just, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy and, you know, um, went in cycles and cycles. And it was such a freeing moment when people started to share and I was put in environments where, oh, other people have these same feelings as I do. And the weight that I felt lifted off of my shoulders was incredible because for the first time in my life, I didn't feel alone. Right. Yeah. And that's what I think just so many people go through that. And whenever you like, you break that down and you look at it and it's like, there's like what there's trillions of people in the world or billions of people in the world, however many people live in the world. There's literally no way I'm the only person. Yeah. But when you're, you're in that, like those moments of, like the lower times where you're feeling it harder or like you are more depressed that day, your brain is not thinking logically in any way. So you see it as I'm the only person that's going through it. And that could literally just be because you opened Facebook and the first five posts you saw weren't about someone being depressed. Yeah. So it's like, that's enough to like, to trick you into thinking that. So that's kind of like, you know, why I want to talk about it. Cause yeah, I know how that is. Like, I can even sit down like whenever I'm having say like a panic attack, I'm sitting there dealing with it. And I kind of like bring myself back down. I'm like, I'm so stupid. Like, why did I get so worked up over something so small? No one would be that upset. And then even like reading statistics and having all of this information about mental health, when I've, I've researched it, it's like, that doesn't come to the front of my mind, even though I know all of these other people have anxiety, like people who I'm friends with, like people in my family, like, people I know in person have these same things. Like we've talked about it before that they're on, you know, they're taking a certain medication or this grounding technique works for them. And I'm like, I know for a fact that this person also has it, (laughs) Yeah. but my brain will not tell me that in that moment. So like, that's why I try to talk about it. And I think sometimes I will talk about it like to a fault or too much. And people are like, dude, just shut up. We get it. But then you know, I like, that's like the only thing I talk about on Facebook is like local news and sharing stuff about like mental health. And it could be like, Hey, you're going to be okay. Or like one in five people are diagnosed with depression. It's okay if you have it. And I I think sometimes like this probably annoys people, but then I'll have one person comment on and be like, yo, like, thank you so much for sharing this today. Like I was dealing with this today 
And I'm so glad that, you know, somebody shared this and just said like, yo, it's okay. Like, I understand what you're going through or, you know, again, like one in five people will break that down. There's five people in a room. One of them probably has it. So it's like, there's, it's a way to kind of like, just tell people like other people deal with this shit, man. Like, and it's part of life. Yeah. And, you know, I think that there's a, for me, it's all about the energy that you're coming at it with. Right. And for me, like putting positivity out is never wrong. Right. Right. And even the way that you're talking about it of, you know, just like, Hey, just so you know, like, you know, very accepting tone, right. It's a very accepting and like an educational tone because what I find um, from some people in some accounts, which I don't necessarily agree with is it's a very almost attacking um, or angry tone when they're putting stuff like that out. Right. And almost an accusatory tone or yeah. like a shame based thing of like, you know, instead of just, Oh, what, you know, one in five people struggle with depression. It's okay. If you do instead, it's one in five people struggle with depression. So you never know what kind of day that person's having. So be nice to everyone. Right. And mm-hmm. even though, you know, their heart may be in the right place, I think it's a very different energy and one where, yeah, I, I just think it should be a lot more open and a lot more accepting and more of just, you know, Hey, here's this, like, you know, you're not alone. And if this doesn't apply to you, then that's cool too. Right. Instead yeah. of, you know, um, forcing it on people. And I think for me, that's where it gets annoying as opposed to, um, you know, again, just putting positivity up. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like little things like that, you know, can make such a difference to, to someone or just to get people talking about it and have discussions, have open, real discussions with it. And, that's why if somebody asks me like, what is that like? I try to describe it as best I can. Like, this is what, you know, a bad day looks like compared to like, maybe your bad day is you got a flat tire because you, like you don't have a mental illness where my bad day is I can't get up today. Yeah. And I don't know why there's no reason. Yeah. Um, so just like, that's why, like, I am just very open about it and talking to people about it is again it it seems weird to me that people don't talk about it i just i guess it's just because i've done it for so long like i feel comfortable talking about these things so it's weird to me that other people don't when it's a health condition just like anything else for sure um and you know we're, we're running out of time here but uh i think an important piece in this conversation is you know just from your personal experience you know where have you you know, we talked about Twitch and finding communities like that, but where have you gone or what do you tell people? Where should they start? You know, if they want to start having these conversations or are curious about it or whatever it might be, is it finding online community? Is it talking to your friends about it? You know, what has worked for you and where have you found those places? Or is it, you know, start talking about it yourself, right? As kind of we have. Yeah. Um, what, yeah. What, what would you say to somebody who's starting on that journey? There's definitely not a perfect answer um, because everyone is different. Um, I think an easy ones are either finding online communities or talking to people that you really feel like a connection with or that you really trust. Uh, So like if you have a really good friend, you know, just bring it up to them. Say, hey, I don't really understand like what this is or why I'm feeling this way. 
I kind of just want to vent to you for a minute. Is that cool? Um, so just like reaching out to people like that, maybe even your parents, because I didn't know that generalized anxiety disorder runs in my family until I was diagnosed with it. And I told, uh, my parents and my dad was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I have that too. Like <laughs> I take a medication for it every day. I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, uh, yeah. why didn't anybody tell me that? Like, you know, so it's, that might be something that legitimately is genetic and you know, they just haven't told you before. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a really good way too. And if none of those things seem like a good option to you, like, if you don't think there's a local community for you or like your Facebook friends aren't good to vent to, you don't want to talk about it on Twitter and you want to find like anonymous ways to do it. If you're a Reddit user, there's a subreddit for everything. Um, there's a subreddit for anxiety. There's a subreddit for depression. There's a subreddit called anxiety depression for people who have both. Uh, so feel free to check those things out. Um, other than that, to give like a small plug um, there's a nonprofit that I really like and that I work with a lot and have, have really partnered with like together on Twitch done a lot there too, uh, called heart support. They were, um, founded by, um, uh, the musician Jake lures from August burns red. It's a metalcore band. If you guys don't know, okay. and he found, he would go on tour and people would come up to him at concerts and say, your lyrics really helped me or your music makes a difference in my life. And he went, well, why don't we do more with that? Uh, and they have an anonymous forum that you can post on. You can make your name whatever you want it to be. So if you don't want it to be connected to you in any way, it's completely anonymous. Uh, and you can just post on there and just type, type away what you're feeling. Um, and people will respond to you and just say, hey, I get it. Like, I went through this or, you know, thanks for like, even just thanks for opening up, like encouragement. And that's, that's what they do. Um, so like, that's a, that's a super good place to start if you don't know where to start or you don't feel comfortable not being anonymous about it. Cause I understand that it, it's, it can feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders dealing with that or that it, you're embarrassed because you're dealing with it. And if that's something you're going through, that's a really, really good way to start talking about it is just anonymously on that, on a forum like that, because people there have gone through it. And they are going through it like they, they might have lived with it their whole life and know exactly what to say. Or, you know, sometimes that's just, you know what, man, that sucks. Yeah. It's a crappy day, but you know, I've dealt with it for 20, 28 years. The next day is going to be a better day. Like, yeah. And it can be advice or just encouragement. And that that's such a good way to start. Yeah. And it's funny how sometimes that is just such a powerful thing. I'm just hearing like, that's okay. Right. Yeah. That's you huge. To, you don't need to fix it. You don't need yeah. to change anything. There's not this 15 step program. It's just like, yeah. And <laughs> like, that sucks. I'm yeah. sorry. There's a, <laughs> yeah. the show parks and rec covered that really well in an episode. Oh, yeah. So uh, one of the characters is pregnant and her, uh, husband is a fixer. Okay. Everything that goes wrong, he's like, I'll fix that for you. Yeah. Like, she's like, I'm hungry. He's like, I'm going to the store. Yeah. Or like, she'll say like something and he won't just go, that sucks. And finally people tell him, just tell her that sucks. Yeah. Like, that sucks. And at the end of the episode, he does. And she looks at him and goes, it really does suck. <laughs> and it's like, 
that's so real sometimes like people just need to be like that sucks man they'd be like that does suck and you just kind of have like that moment of connection of yeah this isn't great but yeah you know it's all right thank you yeah it's part of it it's okay awesome well thanks so much for being on um before i let you go here is there anything else that you wanted to touch on um or that we didn't get to that you wanted to talk about i think we we really covered a lot of stuff man like that's kind of the 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 basics i guess of you know what i do and try to do is is and who i am awesome and so if people want to connect with you where would be the best place for them to go yeah. So if you're interested in uh, photography, videography, video editing, uh, being a freelancer or self-employed, whatever way you want to look at that uh, and kind of the, the mental health aspect behind that, uh, you can go to my website. It's just Spencer, the letter S and my last name, Boyle, B-O-Y-L-E dot com. Uh, and that has all of my like social links on there. Uh, if you're interested in gaming, more specific stuff or a Twitch, um, I have separate accounts for that because those those are kind of weird worlds to overlap sometimes. Like, I don't know how I would explain to some like marketing executives like, yeah, my name is this because I play video games on the Internet. And I also really want to edit your ad campaign, please. Yeah. Uh, so if you're interested in that kind of stuff, uh, you can go on Twitter and it's just the letters M-P-I. So Mary Paul Isaac creates, uh, that's kind of my, my Twitch and gaming name. So if you're interested in that stuff instead, uh, you can follow me there. Um, that's kind of more like goofy, personal fun stuff where the other, the Spencer S Boyle accounts that you'll find are going to be very business focused, um, and talking about being a freelancer, creating photos and videos as a career and, that kind of stuff. So whichever one of those is more appealing, if not both, feel free to follow me wherever. Awesome. We'll put some of those in the notes too. Um, And so the last question that I ask everybody who comes on is um, what does this next phase in your journey look like? However you want to take that personal professional. So um, personal slash professional, because they kind of overlap being freelance. Um, the, the two avenues that I'm really interested in trying to get more into is product work, product photography and videos and real estate. Cool. Um, those things are really interesting to me and I want to try to do more of that. Um, and trying to get back into uh, YouTube videos more around photo and video freelance stuff. So I really want to start making those videos and I just have to figure out what I want to talk about in them. Um, but yeah, those are kind of like the main things that I'm looking at right now. I'm trying to still work Twitch and gaming in there as much as I can, but you know, there's only so many hours in the day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks so much again for doing this. Um, looking forward to chatting more and we'll, we'll talk soon. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear any feedback that you have through Instagram at Jared Salikin or by email, jared at jaredsalikin.com, as well as it really would mean the world to me if you liked and subscribed to the podcast. Thanks so much.